Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. The big Facebook dilemma is how can you increase organic reach? Facebook organic reach is at an all-time low, such is the vastness of its user base. It's also a major challenge for marketers in public sector as you weigh up whether you should put the efforts in for the return that you are getting. So coming up in today's show, the role of Facebook in public sector marketing in 2021, how to increase organic reach and what new features can you lean into. We also have our first question from our subscribers and this question is about Facebook. And I interview Caitlin Jinks, who is a public sector marketing specialist from Australia. Caitlin also managed the Facebook page of a police force that had over 1 million followers. So she gives us great tips and insights. If you want to learn more about Facebook marketing in 2021 for your government or your public sector agency, then stay tuned. It's a big question, isn't it? Is Facebook still relevant in 2021? Facebook might feel old, but it still has a role to play in public sector marketing. It is a really useful local information service. And of all the studies that I've completed as part of my state of social media in the public sector reports, local Facebook accounts win over because Facebook feels almost like your local newspaper and your local radio station rolled into one. The other thing that I would say about Facebook is that, well, last month it became a trillion dollar company. So that says something about its user base and also the attention that it's getting even on its advertising platform where it monetizes us as users. And it's also introducing a range of new features as it tries to rival TikTok and Twitter, especially around mobile video reels and audio content. So in today's column, I'm going to share with you some tips on how you can increase organic reach. But really, I'm going to be trying to move you into 2021 and take you away from 2011 and just concentrating on text, photo, or even simple video posts. You really need to up your ante when it comes to Facebook marketing in order for you to remain relevant. But a couple of things that I wanna point out. Are you using Business Suite? This is almost like a central hub where you can manage your Facebook account and also your Instagram account. From there, you can schedule and post stories to your Facebook page and to Instagram. You can edit scheduled posts. You can also create and edit and manage albums and save posts in draft mode. So if you haven't already, go and download Business Suite on mobile and you'll also find it on desktop. Some other features that Facebook have recently introduced that I think um, gives it a better position against its rivals is that reels from Instagram are now going to appear on Facebook's newsfeed. We know that Instagram is trying to rival TikTok. And of course, 
Facebook that owns Instagram is going to try and leverage the Goliath of that platform to get more attention. Also new to Facebook recently are audio rooms. What is an audio room? Quite simply, it is a copycat version of Clubhouse, a copycat version of Twitter Spaces. It's basically where you can go live on Facebook, but it's audio only and other people can join you. Think about it like a live radio show or a live podcast. So Facebook jumping into the audio space is a really big uh, a big move on their part. Sticking with audio, soon we will be able to have podcast in stream plays. What does this mean? It means that we'll be able to stream and listen to podcasts within Facebook. This is a big opportunity for those of you that have public sector podcasts. I, for one, am also excited to, to share this podcast on the platform. And then finally, they're also stepping up their e-commerce game. And I know what you're thinking, Joanne, public sector marketing does not align with e-commerce. But the point that I want to make here is that with Facebook stepping up its e-commerce capability by introducing ads in WhatsApp, augmented reality ads, shops in Marketplace, what they're doing is they're grabbing more attention off the 2.8 billion monthly active users. And of course, that's where the real battle is online and on social. It's for attention. So if Facebook is working really hard to maintain the attention of its user base, it means that you as a public sector pro have a bigger opportunity to get their attention as they spend more time on the platform. Final little tips around how to increase organic reach on Facebook, apart from leveraging the new features is, you know, live streaming is still underutilized. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're not going live on Facebook, you gotta ask yourself why we're not, and do we have a, a meaningful purpose to go live? From a public sector point of view, I would argue that you do. Police forces are doing Q&A with their chief of police, public health are doing live press conferences and you also have subject matter experts from other parts of government and public sector who are doing live information sessions almost like webinars so leaning into live streaming is important the other thing that i would say is you've got to really look at the data the data does not lie analyze the data and really understand what your audiences are enjoying. So do a 90-day audit and then from that analysis, then prepare the next 90 days and really shape and change up the, the format of your content. Another thing to note around organic reach is focus on engagement first. What I mean by that is trying to prompt a two-way conversation it's often the case public sector are broadcasting and not engaging. But if you're stepping into Facebook with engagement in mind and trying to, to get a response from your audience, then that will get you thinking more strategically about the type of content that you are sharing. Um, and then finally, make your audience feel something. It's all about the emotion, right? That emotional connection. So step into the shoes off your citizen, work really hard on the Just Like Me content and try and disprove the, the myth or the reality if we look at the numbers 
that organic reach on Facebook is dead. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. A new feature on the Public Sector Marketing Show hands over the mic to you. So for the consulting segment, I'm now going to be answering your questions. So that means that you need to leave me a voice note. You need to go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast and you can see the option to leave me a voice message. You get to ask a question, anything around public sector marketing, digital marketing or social media. I'll take your question and I will give you free consulting advice right on this show. Top tip, you need to visit the website using your mobile phone because you'll be using the mic on your phone to leave me the voicemail. So go ahead, go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast, and I look forward to receiving your questions. In this week's show and new to the consulting section, we are bringing the voices of our subscribers to the public sector marketing show. This is where I hand over this part of the show to you. You get to ask me a question and I get to give you some free advice. So a big thanks to Noreen who has given us this week's question. Hi Joanne, it's Noreen here from Galway Glantquaria and the Explorers Education Programme. I was just wondering, when someone who likes one of our social media pages checks in, can we use that in some way to engage with the person? Should we be seeing how they're getting on, dropping them a message? Love to hear your advice on this. Thanks. Thank you, Noreen, for a great question. Checking in on Facebook is one of the original features of the platform. And remember the early days, we love to check in. But believe it or not, people still do it. And as Noreen rightly suggests, it's a wonderful opportunity to engage with your tribe. But how can you do it and do it strategically? Well, Noreen, I've got a couple of ideas for you. Number one, you could build a whole competition around the check-in. And so you could every month choose a winner from the check-in competition and reward your tribe because that's really, really important from an engagement and a social media perspective, making sure that you reward your loyal followers and your loyal tribe. So I would perhaps run a monthly competition. The second thing that you could do is you could ask those that check in to create more user-generated content that you can then share on your Facebook page. So as an aquarium and as a destination, you have some great photos being taken by families, by schools, by groups, by individuals who are coming to your aquarium. And so what you could do is you could then repost the photos that are associated with the check-ins. There's no problem with GDPR or privacy in this case, because if they check in and if their photograph on their post is public and they have their privacy settings open, then you are free to share. So what I would do is I would actually use your check-ins as user-generated content. A third idea, and to go a step further, is to get more reviews from your check-ins. So you could potentially DM 
those people, again, if they have their privacy settings set to open, you could send them a private message, thank them for checking in, ask them did they enjoy it, what was their favorite part of their experience, and then encourage them to leave you a Facebook review because Facebook reviews are a real positive social signal to the algorithms that you have a page that is well respected and is also is is liked by your tribe. So there you go. There are three tips and I hope that was helpful. If you are watching or listening to this episode and you have a burning social media or digital marketing or PR or crisis comms question, be smart, be like Noreen, leave me a voice note on our website at publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast and you could find me answering your question on the show and giving you free consulting advice. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's show, we're going the whole way to South Australia for our interview. I'm delighted to be joined by Caitlin Jinks, who is based in Adelaide. She is a public sector social media and communications specialist. She has previously worked for Wind Television, BuzzFeed, and the South Australia Police Media Team. She also managed the page of the New South Wales Police Force that had over 1 million followers. Caitlin is a huge fan of Facebook and in this interview she provides us with some great tips and tricks on how you can maintain or increase organic reach. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me the whole way from Adelaide and you're very welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this chat. And of course we haven't met before but the world of social brought us together and in fact we connected on LinkedIn, but you have some Irish roots. And of course, with a name like Caitlin, you couldn't not have Irish roots. So again, it's another nice connection for us to have. Definitely. And I love LinkedIn, which is where we met. Yes. But we're not going to talk about LinkedIn today. You are here to talk about Facebook and you're currently working in public sector, but in a previous role with New South Wales Police, um, you really built up their Facebook page and even when I mentioned Facebook to you when we had our pre-chat, your face just lit up. But you know what? Everybody is really struggling with the organic reach on Facebook. But tell us about your experience because it's been a positive one. Yeah. When I ran the New South Wales Police Force social media accounts about two years ago now, I've lost track of time completely. But when I was there, their main platform was Facebook and they were on other existing platforms and had really high followers there. But on Facebook, they had over a million. So they were and still are the highest followed government social media account in the country. Um, and it would be New Zealand if they weren't um, being beaten by their prime minister. So they're number two out of New Zealand and Australia. So when I came there, they already had quite a really big established following. So a big part of my role was to try and think about how we can build onto that and keep that follower growth 
going and it was all organic because New South Wales Police is government funded, obviously taxpayer dollars, so they don't have the money to do boosted posts or have any type of ads and it would be sort of inappropriate if they did, I think, for everyday content. So a big part of the challenge was just thinking about how can I tap into the audience that already existed while attracting new people as well, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, so a big part of what I did is they already had a really good meme culture going, which is where they would just tap into memes all the time. But that audience was already really established. So what I wanted to do was to attract a new audience, which to me um, involved tapping into pop culture because meme culture and pop culture, I'm getting into really nerdy internet stuff here, but meme culture and pop culture are separate but also really entwined a lot of the time. So I took a lot of trending topics in Australia and also worldwide, things like um, some Brooklyn Nine-Nine stuff that was happening at the time on the show, things that were happen happening on The Bachelor in Australia. So when the we had a, uh, we had a contestant who The Bachelor didn't pick anyone and that was a really big thing in Australia at the time. So just constantly every single day just tapping into something that was just people were talking about, really time-sensitive stuff, which is funny because if you go back and look at all the stuff I created, none of it really makes sense now, but it did really well at the time because I just wanted to be on the pulse and just churning out content that was really relevant and that worked. So that's kind of what I ran with for the time that I was there and just kept um, trying to get that organic reach and just kept trying to engage with our audience. So it's great that you mentioned two metrics that, uh, in my view, are really important on social. One is that continued growth of the audience, so you're not stagnating. But secondly, being able to engage that existing audience, because there's no point in having a massive following if they're not engaged. The fact that you decided on a strategy that twofold, number one, was real time. Okay, so very time sensitive and in the now. And then secondly, was a bit maybe left field for a policing page. Did you have to get permission or, you know, was there that level of trust or how did that how did that relationship work to to give you that free reign to operate in the now? Because if you're operating in the now, you need There was I really, I was really lucky because there was a big level of trust there. I built relationships with people who just let me run with things and if things didn't work, then that's when they would sort of decide to not do things later on. But things almost always went well. Um, so I always had that experience to back it up. There were times where I know that they felt something was just really bizarre I pitched something about it was do you know ASMR yes 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 it was at the time when it was really sort of becoming quite mainstream and peaking and everyone was sort of making all these jokes about it but also really enjoying it so I thought wouldn't it be funny if I did like a police ASMR so I got I got my my because my colleague at the time was also the videographer so we worked on this video where I just sat in this dark room and just started doing the little tapping and the voice tingles and things like that and when I showed it to my boss at the time he was just 
He had no idea what it was. He didn't understand it. But he said, you know what, I know that you know what it is, so we'll just run with it and we'll just see what happens. And it did really well. But things like that, a big level of trust. There were a few things that I did have to kind of just take the risk on. I was acting manager a couple of times, which meant that I could make all of the decisions, which was really scary, but also really good. And that's kind of when I got away with some of the riskier stuff. Like we did when the water girl was happening at the Golden Globes, there was this woman who just kept being in every single photo in the background in the Golden Globes back when you could have multiple people in a room. And I think it was about 2018. And that just went viral online within about 24 hours of it happening. And I was acting manager at the time and I thought we should recreate it, but I knew that if we recreated it, it had to be really, really, really quick. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It's going to be embarrassing. So I ended up just calling, making the call and just saying we're going to go ahead with this and everyone was behind me but they also kind of thought are you are you sure because if this goes terribly or we get a lot of backlash or it just doesn't land it's all on you and I said that's fine let's go ahead and do it so we got it all done within about I think three hours and it went really crazy it went really big which was great um but I don't know if I could have got that across the line if, if I hadn't been acting at the time purely because it was such a time sensitive one and the turnaround was really hard and really quick so I just had to say we're doing it yeah and how do you think then that your audience views a, a policing Facebook page tapping into pop culture um do they have a view that you know they should be doing it or they shouldn't be doing it we know you got the engagement rates but was it just to build that relationship between police and people and saying hey we're just the same as you yeah, I know that the strategy behind it, or the thought process that I went through at least, was that we used that Facebook page, and I can't speak for it now, but at the time we definitely were using that Facebook page consistently every single day to publish media releases about crime that was happening in the state. So really relevant things that were really important, missing persons, Amber Alerts, so missing children, all types of information, road safety and crime impacts everyone. So our audience was everyone. So what we need is we needed people to be able to want to come to that page and stay on that page. But when you're showing them a bunch of different media releases, a bunch of different information that's not all relevant to them, the hook was humour. So the strategy was we'll reel them in with this really unusual government, you know, unusual for a government agency type of content, we'll get them to come, and then that means they're there for the really important stuff. So the idea was if we just give them this high-quality, fun, funny stuff, then they're going to stick around for the things that are actually really important to them. And even if they're not really paying attention to it, it's still there and it's still in their feed and over time they'll hopefully sort of take on board that stuff as well. So even though it was a bit of an unusual strategy and at the time it wasn't being used as much as it is, as it is now, you'll see a lot of government agencies are doing the same thing. But at the time it was really quite different and a little bit controversial because a lot of people did think it was inappropriate, which you can see both sides and you can understand it. But there's a reason that page got to over a million people and that's over a million people who are now getting really important crime messaging and crime prevention messaging. And 
that was always the goal. The goal wasn't um, let's get a, a million followers. It was always let's try and get as many people as we can to be exposed to really important crime prevention and safety messaging. So I wasn't there during COVID-19 because I'd moved at that point, but that meant that there were over a million people who were able to get information about COVID-19 lockdowns and um, restrictions and things that were happening that were really unprecedented, that were really probably quite overwhelming, Um, but they had an audience that they could sort of guide and help give them all this information. So at the end of the day, that's what it was always about. So, and that's what happened. And from my own research here in Ireland, and actually my first book was on how police forces use social media, um, the Irish police force here and Garda Síochána, that is their exact strategy. They yeah. use humour to engage a public. And then when they need them for the more serious issues, they know that they are there and they actually do respond. So Facebook has evolved uh, dramatically over the past number of years. Um, What are you loving about it at the moment or is there anything you're loathing about it at the moment? It's funny because I think Facebook is actually probably my least favourite platform. For me, I really, really enjoy TikTok just because it's so, I mean, it is what Facebook used to be. You know, it's exciting and it's changing things. Um, But for me, Facebook and Twitter have always been my least favourite because they're just such strange platforms it's hard to make sense of them a lot of the time um and instagram is somewhere sort of in between linkedin's quite high because i really like linkedin but i guess that's in a really different world to the other ones but facebook has just i really love the groups i think facebook is really moving to the groups and it's really promoting the groups and for me personally my newsfeed is just groups and it's just all these conversations that i'm having in groups that other people are having and the rest of it is just sponsored content. I'm not seeing the traditional status updates I used to see, but I also think that's people just aren't using Facebook for that anymore. I really love Facebook Marketplace. I think that is such a great idea and I've used it so many times and it's it's really great. So I really do think that the strengths are Marketplace and groups. And I think if, if, if you can harness groups, in some way it's so beneficial because um, I've started off some groups before in my workplaces to sort of um, connect with employees and other people who I just need to connect with and it's been really great and I think it's also popping into the idea that people don't want to talk about their lives publicly as much they want a bit more of a private place to do it but also still not too small they still want it to be a little big so I think that's the strength and I think that's where it'll keep staying strong. But I I can't stand when Facebook does their updates and out of the blue they just update things and then you just have to spend your whole day trying to figure out how to get to something or how to do something. It's not it's not fun. <laughs> but it's I don't think I'll ever be able to get off of it. I it's still really important. It's such a Goliath. It really is. And I think that because there are so many users on the platform, there's so many, so much sponsored content, as you mentioned, that people are navigating to those niche conversations where they just want to have a conversation with a group of people who are like-minded. 
Um, and again, I'm not sure that public sector are overly keen in creating groups because then you're left with the moderation question mm. and the whole moderation problem of, you know, this is an open forum, we have to manage it, it's public discussion. Um, and they're really nervous about that. Have you had experience of, apart from employee engagement on Facebook groups where it's used for a strategic reason to connect with citizens? I haven't in that capacity, but I have used it before um, when I needed to connect with people who needed to sort of talk to me really quickly because I found that because I'm on Facebook all the time, just through force of habit and also because I get paid to do it, it was just easier for me to talk to people and get back to them. Whereas emails, it still feels really formal and it still feels like something I'll get to when I have time. So it was great for that um, because the notifications as well, even though you can turn them off, it was just a really quick and easy way. But I do know one of my favourite podcasts that I listened to shut down their Facebook group because it was just it was the Wild West on there and they just couldn't do it anymore. And I think they had about 70,000 members and they're, they're an independent podcast and 70,000 members is that so much. Um, but they just decided to close it down because they couldn't, like you said, deal with the comment moderation. And I know another podcast, another Australian podcast, who decided to have a zero moderation policy and they basically said, you're all adults, you sort it out, we're not your mothers and we're not dealing with it, which was really in line with their brand. Um, their brand was very about um, analysing and, and thinking about things in a really smart way. So it, it really fit their brand to do that and they just basically said, we're not going to hold your hand, sort it out, which was really interesting. Um, and sometimes it worked out, but it is just like the Wild West in general. But groups are really quite funny at times I'm in some middle of dog groups because I have a I have a puppy and you might hear her bark a few times but um some of the stuff some people will just post about hey can my dog eat this and then there'll just be a hundred comments saying you're an idiot <laughs> and it's just yeah I think people maybe not the platform can be the problem sometimes Really good point. Really good point. Humans can be very difficult. And when you get them together with different views, then that's when the problems arise. But what advice would you give to your public sector colleagues who are trying to increase organic reach in Facebook? They realize it's really important because their audience is there, but they're struggling and, you know, not enthused. What would you recommend? It is, it's so difficult now. And I think that's the really important thing is to, I know it's easy to say, don't be hard on yourself, but to also be transparent with your your boss and your managers and make it really clear that this is now a pay-to-play industry. Facebook is definitely driven by money, um, unlike TikTok, where you can still get a lot of great organic reach, same as LinkedIn and Pinterest, but Facebook and Instagram, it really is money to get you over the line. So I think having that conversation as well and trying to make it really transparent and saying it's not what it used to be. We're not in 2014 anymore. We can't aim for these types of numbers that you might be aiming for. Here's a realistic, um, you know, number that we can aim for. 
but in t but you can still get organic reach. It it obviously is just so much less than it used to be. But I think for me, what always works is tapping into something that hasn't been done, or even if it has been done, trying to make it really time sensitive. I think evergreen content can work really well, which is stuff that you might you know batch content and roll out when you have the time. But for me, the content that has always performed well is the time-sensitive stuff. So, and it can be really niche. You know, if you are really interested in Dungeons and Dragons in your spare time and you run a, a Facebook page for work, if there's something really trending or topical that you can tap into, it's always worth trying to weave it in. Or if you're just passionate about a very specific TV show, there's always a way that you can try and make those worlds collide. So I think it's about trying to tap into other little communities and pockets and trying to sort of get that conversation happening because I guarantee you that those communities will be on Facebook and that's going to help draw in these different audiences. So pop culture really works, time-sensitive stuff really works, humour always works. Um, Sometimes it helps a lot to go on Reddit and see what's trending on there and learn how people are talking online. Reddit is a whole other thing, but it is really good at um, talking about what's happening on the internet. So it is really good for that and you can learn a lot about what people care about and how they talk and the different type of online language that's used. But it also really depends on your audience. So. If you've got an older demographic that you're trying to target, sometimes it's beneficial to figure out what their interests are. But just because the demographic is in an older bracket doesn't mean they don't care about pop culture or trending topics. It's just figuring out what that is, which is of interest to them. And same for any demographic. Um, but if, like the police, your demographic is everyone because crime impacts everyone, then you have a lot more to play with. Um, but if you niche down, then you can really figure out what you can tap into. So it is it is hard, but, you know, I always try and um, give examples sometimes. So maybe if um, you're a florist, then sometimes it can work to tap into um, like Pokemon such an easy one to do because there's so many little things for everyone but you know you could say which, which pokemon matches with um this bouquet we did today or things like that um as evergreen content but there's always there's always stuff happening and it doesn't have to be the scary stuff that's trending in the news it there's always something lighthearted. um there's always something happening and just trying to figure out how you can weave that into what you're doing and honestly, the hard part is trying to convince management to let you do it um, because at the end of the day, you're not going to get organic reach by doing what you've always done because then you wouldn't have that problem and you wouldn't be asking yourself, how can I get more? So sometimes just trying to really get it, that message across to people higher up than you, which we all have to do. Um, and it's understandable because you do need to educate people a lot of the time in social media but really trying to get them to understand that there needs to be an experimental phase where you need to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks sometimes I've given that about three months and just said I'm gonna do everything and then 
use those analytics to figure out what works. So I think, yeah, a lot of experiment, a lot of figuring out what your audience audience wants and thankfully the back-end Facebook analytics are really quite good for demographics and you can really dig into who who's already there and so you can figure out how, how you can get more people in different demographics. So I could talk about it all day, but yeah, there's, there's a lot, there is a lot, don't give up hope because organic reach is still there. It's just harder than it used to be. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. It's, it's being realistic and managing the expectations of your line manager. And I mm. also think, and you've mentioned it a few times, it's diversifying your social media footprint and social media evolves, you know, Facebook are now going into audio, but guess what, you know, things are happening big over in TikTok, you know, Instagram is emulating TikTok, and you can't stay stagnant as a social media manager. One of your, you know, best skills should be the ability to iterate and to evolve as the platforms grow. Talk to me, um, is TikTok an important channel in your view for public sector? I would love to say that it is, but just like Instagram was before it, public sector is so reluctant. Um, in Australia, I can't, I, I'm not too sure about anywhere else, but in Australia, the public sector tend to not do anything until maybe overseas public sector are sort of doing it. So if they see someone in the UK or the US, um, Canada doing something, then they, kind of think okay well they've done it so they've done that risk management and now we can learn from them whereas in Australia we're less likely to go ahead and do it which I think is a mistake I think you should always jump on something as soon as it's there even if you have no idea what what it's about because like you said you need to you need to just diversify you need to be on as much as you possibly can within reason can't be on everything but I think things like TikTok and Pinterest um, and even LinkedIn are really underrated and things that um, any business public sector could really benefit from tapping into. I think, I, I don't think there's any, there must be some Australian public sector places on TikTok, but none that have any type of well-known status, I think. There are a lot of businesses and brands in Australia who are starting to jump on it, but because that's still quite small, I think public sector is still so reluctant to do it and getting that over the line would be really hard. I think especially because TikTok is so time sensitive, you have to be doing realistically a video a day and doing them really quickly and just getting them out um, it, with the processes that's involved in the public sector, it, it would be really quite difficult it's not to say it can't be done. It's just, again, that level of trust with management and getting them to trust that you're going to go on this wild adventure and it's all going to work out. But, yeah, I, I wish I could say it's it's common and it is being used, but it's not yet. But I definitely think it, it will, just like people were reluctant to use Instagram. I mean, who would have thought that we'd have all these government agencies on Instagram, but now they're, they're everywhere. So it will happen. I think it's just getting people to warm up the idea of it yeah I think you're just you know reminding us of the point that government and public sector tend not to be early adopters are risk averse want to see how the channel can be used and maybe look to their peers 
And that's why I do the state of social media report. Um, I did Australia in 2019, I've done Ireland in 2018 and 2020, and the US uh, only a couple of weeks ago. So and I get the same trends. I am I have now analyzed the social media footprint of over 3,000 government agencies, and I've got the average engagement rates, and they're not dissimilar. The trends mm. right across um, the world, as far as I have analyzed, are quite similar. Um, but you know what, Caitlin, they need really good social media managers like you who are willing, as in the acting manager role, said, yes, if this goes wrong, I will I will take it upon myself to, to make the decision. But I'm reminded by Adam Missouri, who's head of Instagram. I was watching a, an interview mm -hmm. that he did, and it was on Twitter uh, two weeks ago, actually. It was Twitter I was watching it on. And he said, I can't promise you good organic reach on Instagram. We've got so many users now. He says, the only thing I can say to you is test, test, test. And I was like, well, there you go. He's the boss man. And you had said it already. You gotta test and see what sticks with your audience. And you need a level of autonomy, creativity, and just pushing the boundaries a little bit, right? Exactly. And one of the things I always try to, I've been really lucky in that I've had management who are just really receptive and really supportive, but I know that that's not a reality for a lot of other people. But something that I have said quite a few times is if you look at some of these huge YouTubers or influencers who are making so much money and have been doing it for years and years, some of them for probably a decade now, they didn't start out with a really complicated strategy or a, a common strategy or a social media strategy. They just started by making stuff and then posting it. Um, Bo Burnham is a really good example. He's gotten really quite famous in the last couple of years through some of his Netflix specials and he was in Promising Young Woman and he directed a movie called Eighth Grade and he's really great and I'm a big fan. But he started out as a YouTuber in his bedroom and he just kept publishing YouTube videos and kept making them until eventually he got so big that he could do all of those things. And he didn't sit down and go, I want to have a Netflix special one day um, and be in a movie that has Oscar buzz. He just made stuff and he just published it and just kept doing it and tweaking it and doing it till it got better and better and better and better. And that's, it really is the strategy for everything. Um, and sometimes I don't like saying it because it makes it sound like my job is just throwing things at the wall all the time, but there's a lot of stuff involved in that throwing. But at the end of the day, it is just experiment. It is just testing and testing and experimenting and trial and error. And you never stop because these platforms never stop changing. So, yeah. Well, listen, it's been great to have you on the show. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, is to send me on some links to your work and I'd love to embed them in the blog post associated with the podcast and the show so people can see them. They're still there. They might be a little bit older, but they're still there. So let's have a look at Caitlin's greatness of throwing stuff and seeing if it sticks on the wall, right? <laughs> I'll have to send the ASMR one. Yeah, send, send us that one because I know everybody is now Googling ASMR because not everybody might be familiar with it. Um, I'll give you a clue. It's just all about sounds, right? Yes, it's... You either love it or hate it. It's very strange. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And where can people find you on social, Caitlin? 
I'm everywhere. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. But I'm I'm honestly everywhere. But it's just under my name, which is just at Caitlin Jinx for pretty much everything. Well, guys, go and follow Caitlin, a smart social media manager, uh, working in government and public sector, and coming to us from Adelaide in Australia. Thank you for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you for having me. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. It's only 10 weeks until the 2021 Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit, which is going online for the first time. And that allows me to have a more global audience attending but also taking to the virtual stage. So if you haven't already, you can now go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash 2021 summit and you can buy your ticket. I promise you this will be an investment well spent and you also get access to all of the speakers, case studies and the practical workshops over two days. You get access to them for three months. So go ahead, get your ticket. If you have any questions, you can drop me an email. I've got a great resource for you today. Go ahead and go over to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. And I've linked a blog post, how to make the most of public sector marketing on Facebook. So go ahead and check that out. And if you haven't, please share this show with a public sector pro that you know, they will thank you for it. And also, if you enjoy every episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show, I'd really appreciate if you could subscribe and also rate and review. Of course, a five-star review is most welcome on your favorite podcast platform. So that's it for me for now. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.